Hello, this is Eric Chabro of Information Security Media Group at the RSA Conference in San Francisco. I'm pleased to be joined once again by Phyllis Schneck. She's the Deputy Undersecretary for Cybersecurity at the Department of Homeland Security. Welcome, Phyllis. Thank you, Eric. It's a pleasure to be here. You've been in office just under half a year. And in a panel at the RSA conference, you said you've seen things about the cyber threat that you hadn't seen in the private sector. From your perspective now, how would you assess the job government and industry are doing in securing critical IT? I think this year's brought huge progress. So the first, if you think about the cybersecurity framework that came out of the uh, Executive Order 13636, the first uh, seven months of that order, I was in the private sector watching colleagues of mine and the best and the brightest across all of our companies help to create that framework to look at how to provide guidance to companies of all sizes and federal government and the .gov, help make their cybersecurity better on a spectrum, whether you're looking at just improving cyber hygiene, all the way to looking at how your security policy works as a risk assessment, how to make cyber a boardroom issue, and how to integrate all of your spending to total risk management. And that came from the scientists in the private sector working in conjunction with the experts at NIST. So the first seven months of that I watched in the private sector, the final five months until the, the wrap of phase one of this all call on 12 February two weeks ago, we're in, in Homeland Security. Looking at it from the side of how is government working to enable these things? What is government doing to enable companies of all sizes to adopt it? Department of Homeland Security recently launched, as you know, the Critical Infrastructure Cybersecurity Community. And I stress that last C because it is a community of companies, entities, federal government, state and local that have an opportunity to adopt these guidelines again as they wish to. But we want to start a discussion, as Michael Daniel, the President's Cybersecurity Advisor, pointed out in his talk. We want this to be a catalyst to engage this conversation with government, private sector, academia on how do we make cybersecurity part of the overall risk posture, which is not about spending more money on cybersecurity, it's about how do you allocate your resources to better reduce risk, and cybersecurity is a large part of that. At Homeland Security, we see part of the Homeland Security mission, critical infrastructure resilience. Cybersecurity is a key part of that. So in my five months in, I have seen from the government side the better part of a year of really improved, increased, and exciting collaboration between government and private sector to provide guidelines for companies and the .gov to improve their cybersecurity posture. In the past few weeks, we have rolled out a request for information which basically asks industry, how do you think that you can innovate, drive the market, drive economies of scale, make companies more secure with your innovation, your products? Do what companies love to do, go make money, but enable this framework to enable companies and entities of all kinds to be more secure. From your new perspective, do you see threats you didn't see as a member of the private sector, and how does that make you feel? I see different things from this side. I see things, obviously, that, that the private sector doesn't see, and, and I miss seeing what the private sector did see. So that reinforces the need for us to work together. Part of my vision for the department is to leverage the fact, and I mentioned this in the panel, that the Department of Homeland Security, through Einstein and Continuous Diagnostics and Mitigation, does see a lot of events on our federal networks, and there are no sweeter targets on the planet, and we can use that information to protect not only every federal entity with the power of what we see across all of them, but also protect our private sector stakeholders as well with that information. And we'll be looking at how the private sector information that they have, sometimes they call it intelligence, can be used in conjunction with what we see to build a larger, better weather map of situational awareness. So it's a common operating picture of cybersecurity that DHS, because we are rooted in trust and we collect everything with the privacy and civil liberties at our core, 
more with the help of our chief privacy offices, showing the public exactly what we do. We are the one place on the planet where we can collect and create this weather map. So being on the government side of this, I know now for a fact that is our mission and we have to do that. One obstacle in getting businesses to share cyber threat information are things such as liability protection and the president has threatened a veto in the past of legislation that actually bipartisan legislation that passed the House but never got through the Senate. And as you know, it's difficult to get things through Congress. What weaknesses exist if there cannot be any information sharing protections, uh, these kind of protections in an information sharing law? Do you mean what weaknesses exist if we don't get that? Yes. We are looking at ways to help companies feel more comfortable sharing information. I know from my past this is a big problem. So I have not changed who I am because I have a different employer and a different mission. I believe then and I believe now that we need to collaborate and get that information across. What I understand more now is government equities and, and private sector has the same issue. In government, we can't always release everything we know because it could harm an investigation, it could show an adversary what we know, and in the end that costs more than it gains because more people end up getting harmed because we can't get rid of the root of the attack. If the adversary knows you know about them, they will change their methods too soon for us to end the problem. Same thing in the private sector, but a different way. Private sector can't always share information because they worry about, as you know, uh, and as I've experienced where I used to be, can't share information if you're worried that you could be liable for the consequences of how it's used. So we are looking, and certainly with this framework, at the right ways to combine uh, the, the right targeted information. And we're certainly looking at solutions, both with our congressional leaders as well as just with our collaboration and our partners, on how to get the most information from both sides. Is legislation necessary? You know, I think the American public will determine that, our Congress will determine that, but what's necessary is putting together the right data points to put the pieces of this puzzle together, and I'm committed to helping us do that. Do you sense more cooperation from business in the past six months? I absolutely do. I sense more cooperation every day because this, as I learned earlier from many of our, I had an opportunity to meet with many of our, our stakeholders in the private sector, the awareness out there is still a key weakness. And the more companies realize that it's important to work with each other, transcend the competitive boundaries, to put good cybersecurity practice in place, to message to their stakeholders, their suppliers, their customers, the importance of good cybersecurity because we're all connected. Though the weakest link can be a bounce off for the enemy, even if the strong company is protected. I sense a lot of excitement around that, around the voluntary program with the framework, the ability for us to engage our state and local partners in voluntarily working with that guidance and our being able to stretch our budget to provide free of charge managed security services through the MSISAC to all 56 states and territories with the adoption of the framework. Still, of course, not changing the fact that the states govern their networks their own way and all this provision is voluntary, but being able to protect those networks that protect our citizens, their private information, and our state and local critical infrastructure, I think that's very exciting. I think it's very urgent and it's very necessary. And on the private sector side, driving those markets and giving businesses the chance to do what they do best, innovate and make money. And the money from that innovation goes back into the research and development and that makes us stronger as a country. So I am very excited to be doing the Homeland Security mission, to be integrating cybersecurity and critical infrastructure resilience. Cybersecurity is key to that. Cybersecurity on its own is not important. Cybersecurity is important to secure our way of life. And that collaboration, I think we'll see more and more. You see a lot of activity across our National Infrastructure Protection Plan framework, our different sectors, our coordinating councils. You have great uh, business leaders stepping up to 
lead these, to drive these, to help us with our partnerships. This is a very busy conference, as an example. People are packed and they have full days out here, and yet we had probably 40 of our top stakeholders come out to a meeting this morning to talk about how they can best drive the markets to help us adopt the framework. It's it's that important and that is exciting. Let's switch gears a bit. Federal Information Security Management Act, the law that governs information security at the federal government level, hasn't been changed in 14 years. There's been call for FISMA reform. A lot of the changes are being done by the administration, including giving more sway to DHS and helping agencies implement cybersecurity programs. Is a law needed to reform FISMA? So we work very closely with our partners in the White House and with our interagency partners. You know, I think we do need those reforms, but they'll be crafted together. But the most important thing to remember is that it comes with the input of those private sector and .gov stakeholders. Even things we learn from the private sector go into how we can protect the .gov. Continuous diagnostics and mitigation is a great example. You are changing the game. It used to be that you had top people in security that, and we don't have enough. Obviously, we can't afford more. But across these agencies, spending months on creating big compliance documents to talk about the state of the network right now, and probably many of those are never read again. Continuous diagnostics and mitigation constantly looks at the state of the network, the state of security. You always know how healthy your network is. You are learning. Every time traffic passes through your network, you're learning about it, like your body's immune system. You're fighting that cold, and you also have the ability to share those antibodies with all of your federal agency partners, and you don't have to write that document. So you are freeing up resources to hunt for the more harmful adversaries. This will will hurt the adversary profit model. So I do believe that reform is needed. I also see, again, I'm excited about the collaboration that's causing it to happen. Thanks, Phyllis. Thank you very much, and I appreciate the time, Eric. I've been speaking with Phil Schneck, Deputy Undersecretary for Cybersecurity at DHS. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Eric Chabro. Thanks for listening.